This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, LSPod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin? Sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to The Love Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Very well, and thank you very much for agreeing to take part in the podcast. That's all right. Thank you for inviting me. So the first question is based on current events. This will go out pretty swiftly after recording over the next week or so. So we are at the tail end, we hope, of the lockdown. It's been a long time, over 100 days off uh, from playing football. How have you found it? It's hard to explain, to be honest with you. Like obviously we we didn't expect it to be to be going on this long, you know, when, when it first came out like the coronavirus and things like that, you just thought, Oh, taking a few precautions and things like that and then we thought we'd be back in and a couple of weeks and, and then just going again. But I tell you what, actually it's I'm I'm buzzing that the football's back on tonight. I'm looking forward to watching that. <laughs> um but yeah, it's just you know, you're just keeping busy, keeping yourself fit. Like they've been sending us our um, programs to keep fit, but obviously, once once the season got anou- announced that it was finished and we were champions, um, it's not the bet. It's not the way that we we'd hope to win, but we'll take it definitely. I, I fully believe we would have won it anyway. Um, what have you been doing to keep yourself entertained, wise? So, what have you been watching on Netflix, etc., during this time? I think I've watched pretty much everything there is to watch on Netflix. It's funny, I was looking through it last night with the missus and I was like, what should we watch? And then we'd, we'd go on something and then, nah, we've seen that, we've seen that. But um, to be fair, I've just moved house, so that's kept me busy for a, for a week, a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, just with getting in contact with a few of the boys, catching up, phone calls with, with old friends and things like that. You know, things that you don't normally do, it's quite quite nice to actually have the time to to catch up with people that you wouldn't really like think, oh, I'm going to give them a call. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then just literally going out, keeping fit, going on runs, getting the ball out a few times and that. Yeah, it's just it's getting boring now, but hopefully 
but normality will resume soon. And as you say there, at time of recording, we're just about to uh, go through that very hectic Premier League and Championship and playoff schedule. Yeah, I guess it's going to be a little bit different for you as a spectator without you know football in the morning or training in the morning. You can just watch this like you did before you were a pro footballer as well. Yeah, I know it's uh, like you say it's, it's weird circumstances with even with with the lads playing. Um, you know, going into playoffs and things like that, where you'd expect them to be like sellout crowds, and and there's not going to be any fans watching. So it's going to be a bit of a, a weird one. But I am looking forward to just having football back in my life. Do you know what I mean? Like, as I'm sure any football fan is, they're just looking forward to having a bit of football on the telly, and a bit of normality, really. Well, let's go back to the very beginning. So when you were younger. Who did you support and who were your childhood heroes? um, I was a Spurs fan because my dad was a Spurs fan and sort of just, I think he just made me support them, I think. (laughs) He just sort of followed suit, so me me and my brother's Spurs fans, but not so much anymore now that I I play. I I still sort of follow them or I'd watch them when they're on the telly, but I'm not like a a diehard fan like my brothers are. Boyhood heroes, uh, I don't really know, you know. I never really sort of thought, I suppose just, just like when growing up, you just always sort of idolised David Beckham, really. Defensive-wise, I always, when I was a kid, I always liked Ledley King. I thought he was excellent centre-half and it's just a shame that he had such like bad injury problems because I think that he'd have gone on to be like one of the, the greats. And then just generally as, as a centre-half, I always look at players like sort of growing up and getting getting into the game properly I look at players like John Terry you know he's one of the best centre-halves ever like John Terry Rio Ferdinand do you know what I mean but as I was a kid I always sort of played um, like higher up the pitch to be honest with you I remember one season I was actually a striker so and then obviously I ended up getting a bit bigger and then just sort of worked my way back I ended up going to like left midfield left back and then now centre-half Probably end up in goal soon, will I? <laughs> hey, and there'd be no shame in it. I mean, come on, you're, you're, what, you're what, six two, six three. Yeah, just under six three. <laughs> Good height, yeah. and and it, it is quite funny because what you've just described is probably the most common things that we've heard on this podcast. That defenders start at the top and then slowly yeah. work, work their way by their position. Right? No, yeah, that's that is generally what happens, isn't it? Defenders always think they're a striker, start up top. I like trying to go up front in training and that as well, but I don't really like it. <laughs> I lose the balls. Oh, that, well, yeah, into the into the hedge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you play for? Did you play like Sunday football, or were you very much with the schools and then straight into the academy systems? No, no, no. I I, I first started playing football for a team. Well, I, t- I actually. When I wanted to start playing for a team, I wasn't actually old, old enough to, to... There wasn't like a team in my age group. So I remember um, my mum took me to um, like the, the Scouts, which was like, as in like the, you know, like the Beavers. Mm-hmm. I went to the Beavers just to so that I could play football. And then it turned out that I didn't even play much football and I hated it. So I said I didn't want to go anymore. And then I ended up signing for where I lived, a team called Selsey Seals. And I played for them from like under eights I think I think that was the youngest team that they had under eights until like I think under 11s then I played for Bognor Regis I I can't remember what what the actual youth team was called but it was like 
I played for them at under 11s and a couple of other teams around the area like Worthing. I played for like the the um, representing the league. I think it was like Aaron and District League or something like that. Playing for them and getting a getting a bit of interest from scouts and that. I was I think I went to I was at Brighton when I was about 10. Nothing really come of that. There was like Southampton as well. I had trials, didn't get anything. And then I didn't really have anything for a few years until I was like 15, 16. It was it. It was then it was Portsmouth. Like yeah, like six, I played for. I made my debut for Bognor Regis Town in the Conference South. I'd played for like a couple of teams before that, but because uh, my dad was the groundsman there, I sort of went training with them and things like that, and they, they actually sort of signed me and then made my debut for them in the Conference South. I ended up getting like a trial with Portsmouth. I don't even know how that come about to be honest with you, <laughs> but. I went there. I was on trial with them for oh, God knows how long. Um, I didn't even play a game either. So they had me on trial for a good three, four, five months. I remember having a meeting um, and they said, uh, you know, there's there's nothing for you here. And then in the same meeting said, oh, actually, I'd, I don't know, we're going to keep you on for a bit longer. And it was just, in the end, I think I turned around and said, like Bournemouth were, were, were sort of wanted me on trial as well. I, I ended up turning around to Portsmouth and going, okay, well, I'm going to go to Bournemouth instead because they wouldn't even give me a game. I ended up going to Bournemouth, played a couple of games and they were like, yep, yeah, you know, we really like you. And then they ended up going in administration and it was just sort of, this was when Bournemouth didn't even have an academy, to be fair. They were a centre of excellence at the time. Mm. Um, and they took on, I think, one or two players after that. So, you know, they let they let everyone go, like myself included. So I didn't even sign for them either. It was all... It was all sort of hearsay, oh, we're going to sign you and things like that. And then nothing really come of it again. Uh, and they signed a goalkeeper, I can't remember his name, and Danny Ings, and that was it. So I was in, in the same sort of age group as Danny Ings. Um, and, you know, what a career he's got, gone on to have now. <laughs> um, you know, hey, that could have been me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might have been. I mean, first of all, that, that was a, you know... I can instantly relate. One, I also started as a centre-forward and ended up as a centre-half. Um, yeah. And two, I also joined the Cub Scouts because they had this uh, concrete football pitch with a yeah. grid net and I wanted some of that. And I quit the Cub Scouts a couple of months later when I realised it wasn't just an hour or so of just playing football. Yeah. In fact, you only did it right at the beginning when you were waiting for it to start and right at the end when you were waiting for your parents to arrive and... Therefore, I was not interested in the Cub Scouts at all. Not causing havoc there because all I wanted to do was kick the ball yeah. about and I was out in the hall. I can't remember. I must have been about six or seven years old. And I ended up ringing my mum and telling, telling her to come and collect me. <laughs> I don't think I could claim to be so disobedient. I think I did as, <laughs> as I was told. But, but I can definitely relate. It's really interesting because, I mean, as you say, you're a native of Hampshire. Um, you know, I'm from West Wiltshire, which is, you know, not too far away. And, you know... When I was younger, uh, in the mid-90s, Southampton were everywhere. You know, their scouts were all over the shop because, of course, they have the Satellite Academy in Bath. And, of course, Southampton, not too far away, really, once you pass the plane. And, um, And they were just scooping up kids. I imagine growing up in Hampshire, almost all of you had a trial of some sort at Southampton. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, um, I had a good friend at the time who, who ended up signing for them. Um, I think he went on to play for the first team for a bit and then got some bad injuries. And I think he then signed for Forest Green. He's not he's not actually in the pro game at the moment. Who was that? Uh, Aaron Racine, his name was. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he, I think he, 
in at being one of the youngest players there, playing for Southampton at like 17, 16, 17. And he's a really good player, centre-half as well, actually. But like I said, at my trial at Portsmouth, I was there as a left-back. Um, that's probably why I didn't really get anything, to be fair. Um, and then went the centre-back for, for Bournemouth. I suppose like, from my experiences, I, I never I never graduated through through an academy. So, you know, like lots of people, like myself, I sort of, I, don't, I wouldn't say I'd give up, but I just sort of put it to one side and concentrated on other things. And then it sort of, like fell all fell into place but it's just like young young lads who sort of um you know think that's not going to happen or when they get released just goes to show that it's not it's not the end do you know what i mean there's still a possibility for them to get somewhere in the pro game yeah i, comple- yeah. I completely agree and i think it's, it's like you you said it's not about giving up it's about realign uh, realigning your priorities isn't it you've got you've got to earn money you've got to do stuff and you know if if you are in a privileged position you can focus harder on your football but sometimes that simply isn't it's not something that people can do and you know I think around the time you were growing up as well like Southampton Portsmouth and Bournemouth were all going through some kind of financial trouble so it, it must have been quite difficult regardless to whether you had the ability or not and this is just a general comment for young footballers in the region it, it wouldn't have been as easy as it was before and indeed is now to maybe get an opportunity within those setups yeah no that's that's it that's what i mean and i think i, I don't think that that's that's the reason why i didn't get anything because I, I i firmly believe obviously if you're good enough you're going to get something but I, I don't generally think i really developed into like half decent players i was about 20 21 22 23 do you know what i mean um so I think lots of players sort of develop at, at different stages. So, you know, hopefully because I developed a bit a bit later, and hopefully my career will go on to be a bit longer. So well, I, you, you just don't know, do you know what I mean? When you get to 16, is that where you leave school? Do you do sixth form? Because, you know, again, the articles, uh, Stuart James, friend of the pod, he did quite a, well, he did a really good article with you when you just signed for Bristol Rovers, where you go through the motions that a lot of us did when, when we're that age, where we're yeah. working in retail and, and whatever's around, to be honest. You work in the industry that's taking people on near to where you live. I uh, left school at 16. I then decided that I'd go to college um, and do carpentry because um, it was just something that, that really interested me. I, I liked I liked sort of, you know, doing all the woodwork stuff and that when I was at school. And, and I thought, you know, it's a good career. I don't think I was like, oh, I'm going to be a pro footballer. I just sort of thought I'm going to work hard at it, but I'm going to have something to fall back on as well. So I ended up going to college and doing that. And whilst I was at college at 17, I thought, right, I need to sort of get some money. It was it was a time where my, my parents had split up and my mum was struggling a little bit financially. So I thought, right, I've got to get a job to sort of help my mum out and, you know, so I can have my own money so I haven't got to get money off her. And I got a job at Sainsbury's. I was, I was working on the hot food counter. <laughs> um, you know, it, it was all right. It paid for me to go on a holiday with some friends and things like that. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not a career that I sat there and thought, oh, I want to I want to work here all the time. No no disrespect to people that do. It wasn't for me. I, I only worked there for about a year. Ended up doing some labouring work and that with with some some mates who I'd actually met down the pub. <laughs> um, and then uh, I'd done that for a couple of years and then thought, you know, football. I was playing non-league sort of with with Bognor Regis wasn't really playing much um played for a few teams in the Sussex Counties League um Pagham Selsey um Chichester and then I just thought 
I'm going to join the army because one of my mates was in there and he was like, all you'll do is play football, mate. And I just thought, sounds like a good, like, you know, it's the next best thing. Um, so I joined the army and to be fair, he was right. Uh, I played a lot of football. Um, I didn't really do a great deal of, it got me out of a lot of things that I didn't want to do in the army. <laughs> going on exercise with a whole whole regiment going on exercise and there was a big football game and I got to go and do that. <laughs> Hi, this is Jan Fjortoft and welcome and I'm on Loath Strangers. It's so hard for Norwegian, Loath Strangers. People think the army is, there's your rifle and onto the front line you go, don't they? And oh, yeah. although, yeah. you know, many people do that, it's not really the case. No, well, first and foremost, yeah, that that is your job. And that's like the army are very hot on saying, you know, you're a soldier first. So obviously during your training and things like that, you don't get any time out to go and play sports or you're not allowed to even play for the sports teams while you're during your basic training. Um, So, you know, they're, they're very hot on soldier first, do your job first. But they do take the sports and everything else, like you say, the music and they do take it all very seriously and they go on like football tours you know, I went to South Africa Brazil Gibraltar and places like that just to just to play football um, and it ends up being like a, a lads holiday really with a football team <laughs> um, so I've had some really good times with the, the army football team but a lot there, there was times also when work took priority you know like training to go to Afghan and things like that you know, and you kind of think to yourself, I'd rather be training to go to Afghan than than to be playing a football game because I want to make sure that I'm ready. Do you know what I mean? Um, and ultimately, when you join the army, that's that's kind of what what you join for. You join to to do the tours. You don't want to end up leaving the army and people going, "Oh, where did you go?" And you you don't you don't you haven't done a tour. Do you know what I mean? You don't feel like you've done your bit. So when it comes to me leaving the army, I was quite happy to leave because I I knew that. I'd done what I wanted to do. I'd achieved what I wanted to achieve in the army. So I was quite happy to leave then at that point. Yeah, you did You did a stint at Camp Bastion, didn't you? Yeah, it's, you know, it's you, you're there, you join the army to do that. It's, it's actually quite exciting. Um, you know, people want to go. That's why a lot of people have sort of got out of the army recently because there's nothing like that. There wasn't really anything like that going on the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, I did a stint. I did five months in Afghan. It wasn't just in Camp Bastion, I might like <laughs> obviously I was outside the wire as well, but obviously it was based out of Camp Bastion. But no, I I enjoyed it over there. It got to a point where you feel like you're not coming home because you're there for that long and you just get used to the surroundings and that's it. But I actually quite enjoyed it. I got into a routine. Um, you know, we had a me and my mate had a football over there, we had like a volleyball court that we were we were playing sort of head tennis over every day you just come become accustomed to it really it was it was good yeah my dad used to be out of you know the family uh, world for quite some time with you know training in canada and the first gulf war of course and you know my memories of it is that it used to fly by even though they were gone for so long i don't know if it's the same for you guys and your side well i think that's just life in general isn't it yeah. I, I think it goes so quick I mean, just look at the lockdown. I mean, how long's lockdown been now? It's flown by, really, hasn't it? Absolutely, it has. Absolutely. I was in the army for six years, and I just think, where where did that time go? I mean, I've been pro footballer now 
for free. Um, and I think that's gone so quick as well. It's just quite scary how, how, how quick life goes, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You did some time at Ascension Island as well. Yeah, I did, yeah, towards the, towards the end of my time in the army. Um, that's, I, that's, that interests me far more <laughs> because that yeah. is in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean between South America and Africa. There's nothing there other than a you, couple of small I mean, villages. You wouldn't even know. I never knew it was there until until I went. Um, and I went, I can't, I think, I think I went about four or five times there um, in the space of like two years, I think, or it, it might have even been less, 18 months, I think, because uh, I was with 4-7 Regiment um, Royal Artillery and we were we were training on a new piece of equipment, um, one of the spy planes, UAVs, uh, it was called like Watchkeeper and it was just a new one and it, it was obviously unmanned and it needed a runway to take off because uh, it's quite a big one um, and they had like a, obviously a, a runway there that, that that wasn't really used apart from used by the military really so they it was you know a perfect climate for it runway that, that they had use of all day and night if they needed it apart from like the space of an hour or something throughout the day so we got loads of loads of training done on that and obviously the the lads loved it over there it was nice beaches you know it was it was really quiet but yeah it's just it's it's actually a really nice place and that is something that i think um the army does provide you know you're not going to ascension island unless you're in the armed forces really are you so it's 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 one of those really you know my my dad would always joke that you know i wouldn't have seen iraq otherwise you know when when he'd go out to there and indeed saudi arabia and kuwait as well you're not gonna go on holiday there are you (laughs) well no 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 you're not um was there a pitch on ascension island there was a pitch but i mean the grass the grass weren't great um there was what what we had there we had a there's like a sports hall there was a sports hall and a gym and things like that and everyone most nights they used to play like five a side in, indoors um and that was that was a good laugh um i think i was whilst i was over there last i was playing for Hayes and yedin so i always made sure that i was playing sort of every other day at least just to sort of keep me keep ticking over on the ball and things like that and obviously over there there's big hills and that that you can run up and just just keep fit um because whilst we're over there um you know you just do your own pt um they didn't really have sessions put on for you so it's just like make sure you keep fit and that was it yeah let's go back to the football though but we'll stick with the army side because you as you said you you managed to do a lot with football in the army i mean just some of the stuff that you know the internet will tell me that you represented the army under 21s and at senior level you played for the army in a fa legends game which was coached by stuart pierce you traveled to brazil um as guests of the england team um yeah. you took part in the christmas day truce game which remembered the uh, the truce during world war one between german and allied forces um yeah. so and of course there was the fa cup final as well which you you got to present runners-up medals or pass them over to uh, yeah. prince william wasn't it i mean all remarkable achievements you're saying that obviously i, I actually, you actually forget how much how much you actually do yeah i've done loads like, like you say like with the brazil tour and south africa and that you wouldn't get to do that 
like normally. Do you know what I mean? The army, the army do provide a lot of a lot of opportunities. Also, with the, the FA Cup final, I mean, when would when would the, the normal person get to just go and present the medals and get you know sort of backstage passes, basically? Do you know what I mean? It's some some great experiences, and like with the especially with the playing for the army team and that, you get really looked after. I mean, it's it's almost like the army's a little bit of a bubble um, where playing for the army team or the UK armed forces team and people look at you and be like, wow, he plays for the army team. Like as if you're playing for England or something like that. Um, so they do really look after you. Um, you know, it's, I think it provided a great platform for me to, to sort of step into professional football because there are lots of great players in the army, like, like myself with like, who, who it didn't quite work out with, getting into the pro game a lot of people just join because they know that the army's great on sports and it's a great career anyway um and they know that there's going to be opportunities just to play a lot of sport and they, they might not want a sort of normal nine to five job so there's lots of great players in the army that play sort of non-league semi-pro at the moment who are probably more than capable of stepping into you know at least at least league two level when you consider the lifestyle, the way footballers as at the academy level are, are sort of uh, uh, educated. If they don't make it at 18, and there have been plenty of cases of this, it seems like quite a um, seamless sort of transition from from football to to you know armed forces. Would would you say that was was a fair? I mean, of course, you know, there's a lot more to the army and to to football. Um, but that sort of the teamwork element, the regimented element. Yeah, yeah. I think when I joined, obviously, I wasn't. I got told by a friend, "Oh, you'll play loads of football." But when I joined, it wasn't. That wasn't the thing. Like at the front of my mind, where oh, I'm going to play football. It was more. I was actually quite excited about a career in in the armed forces anyway so like football took a like I put football to the side and actually really enjoyed all the training and things like that and then when you just sort of relax like that and you you're enjoy you're enjoying your career you're enjoying life and everything's sort of falling into place and you start enjoying your football again because I think I just you know I sort of fell out of love with it a bit when things weren't going well um and I think it just I think Definitely joining the army, I wouldn't have got to where I am if I didn't join. Do you know what I mean? Over the last decade or so, organisations outside of the army have really latched on to the military and their importance within within society. I think, to, to be fair, I think that's that's what the army is sort of doing now um, for like re- recruitment purposes as well. Because I feel like lots of people while I was in, especially like the friends that joined at the same time as me and things like that a lot of a lot of them have actually left the army now and i think the army had to do something to sort of recruit more more soldiers because i feel like no one really wanted to join do you know what i mean and then now it's it seems quite a a really good career to join now do you know what i mean they, they had to sort of do something yeah reference the games that you played who did you play against in the fa game well a big one would be gareth southgate for, for obviously it was before he was England manager. Um, you know he he played. Um, Gary Neville played. Chris Kamara, Darren Anderton. I think it was. It was loads. It was it, it was really good. Obviously this was before I played at any decent sort of stadiums and things like that. So it was at, at the Majeski Stadium as well. So it was just a really good occasion, like playing on a decent pitch. 
like there was quite a decent crowd there. It just seemed a big occasion. Obviously, Stuart Pearce was training us. Roy Hodgson, that's the one. It was their gaffer. There was some big. I think he was actually England manager. It was a great day out. Um, there was loads of loads of fans watching, you know, families and that. It was all being like recorded, so it just felt it felt important, and it you know you felt like you was you was a pro pro footballer at the time. Do you know what I mean, like everyone felt important and special. I remember thinking, I'm not I'm go- I'm not going to show you respect here. And like, I was <laughs> shirt and everything, and he was like, oh, do you want it or something? I was like, yeah, can I have it after, please, mate? <laughs> One question from a listener um, before we leave the army. Uh, Jack Tanner asks. Which of your teammates, Swindon, uh, would be best and worst suited to be in the army? <laughs> best suited, trying to think easily. Danny Rose, I think best suited. You know, he's disciplined. You know, he just works out. He does everything right. Do you know what I mean? He's a model pro, um, and I think I think anything that he does and puts his mind to, he, he'd do well. Um, worst suited, um, God, there's, there's a few here. <laughs> Name and shame. Keshi will be up there. <laughs> he loves he loves his sleep. Um, Granty, I think. Granty would just be like someone tell him what to do. He'd be like, I ain't doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but, God, I could name half the team to be honest with you. But definitely Rosie. He'd definitely do well in the army. To be fair, if he joined at a young age, he'd be probably a sergeant major or something by now. It's Gradley! You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Let's talk about the tail end of your non-league career, because, I mean, for all the teams that you mentioned when you were sort of kicking around the county's level um, of the football non-league pyramid, you did... Um, in 2015, start playing at reasonably high level. Think about the seventh tier when you joined Farnborough. And then the season yep. after that, you joined Hayes and Yedding as as well. Uh, Joe Vincent says he used to watch you back in the Farnborough days and you could see the talent was there. And he also mentions that your dad, Eddie, was a right character in the away days. <laughs> My dad's a right character anyway. We, oh, I remember we've had a few fallings out just because of it. You know, when you're a professional footballer, you... And your dad's popping up all over Twitter and things like that. I'm like, I'll wind it in with you because you know we got the same surname. You can't be you can't be slagging off my teammates on Twitter, man. <laughs> my teammates them coming up to me like, what's your dad doing? So like, we've had a few fallings out, but we're all right. We're all right now. Um, we don't we don't speak a great deal, but we get on. Yeah, we had a question from the Borough Walk, which is obviously a, a Farnborough fan, saying, "What did you think of Farnborough's manager?" Um, Spencer, I thought he was all right. Like he's a bit of a character as well. To be fair, I remember obviously while I was playing for Farnborough, I was away a lot with the army, so I play a few games and then have to go away. And I don't think he really quite grasped the fact that the army was sort of my full-time job and that took priority. As much as I wanted to stay and play games, um, I had to go away and work. And then he sort of didn't didn't really like it, so. You know, I'd come back and play a few, go away again, come back, and he's sort of like, "Look, we can't have this." And I was just like, "All right, then I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to knock it on the head, then, mate. I'll see you later." And that was kind of it. Um, and then that's when, obviously, I didn't finish that season off. And then the following season, I joined Hayes and Yedin, and the the manager there was a lot, a lot more understanding of my career. Non-league sport in um, in Wiltshire really benefited, or really benefits from like 
the army bases around like uh, Warminster and things like that, Battlesbury Barracks, because you get guys who are good at sport that come in for a season, tear it up, but then they have to go again. Uh, or, or you're in the middle of a great run, but then they've got to go and do their job. But I mean, I must say in, in the, in, within the fan bases of, of Wiltshire sports, it's kind of accepted, you know, that if you, if you sign a squaddy, you're going to get, you're going to get them for maybe, you know, 70, 75% of the season and they might miss key games. It's just one of those things, isn't it? Yeah, I think the fans sort of quite like the fact that there's a there's a squaddy in their team and that they quite like it and they they sort of respect it. Do you know what I mean? And and when they go away, they they're gutted, but they understand. You know, I remember when I was playing for Chichester when I was sixteen, and there was a couple of Navy lads playing for us, and we were a good team, and then we'd end up losing both of them and end up losing games. <laughs> and I sort of thought, bloody hell, lads, any chance? But then I ended up doing it myself. But yeah, I, I think it's become a lot more ex, like accepted that because I've got a mate Luke Kearney who plays in Golden. I think he's just signed for Hungerford Town. He, he's a really good goalkeeper. I, I think he could play higher than that, to be fair. But it kind of you almost need to not go away with the army um, and have a good full season to maybe progress in in like civilian football. Um, which is a shame, really, because you're never really going to get a, a full season without having to go away. So that's why I decided to sort of sacrifice my career and end up saying, right, I'm going to leave the army and, and try and pursue a, a career in professional football. And it ended up paying off for me. Particularly interesting because, you know, those two seasons that you have in the seventh tier, they're not, as a collective, they're not successful seasons, are they? They, I think oh. Farnborough get demoted and Hayes get relegated. You win a, you win a Challenge Cup, don't you? But... But yeah. it's not it's not successful on the pitch. But you're no. doing your bit, and obviously, when you are playing, you're making an impact for people to notice. Yeah, that's what I mean. And I sort of, I know it sounds a bit selfish there, but I knew that it wasn't the level that I wanted to play at all the time. And I knew that if we were losing games, and I thought, as long as I can make sure that I'm doing my bit and playing well, you know, you can't play other people's game for them, and just make sure that I do my bit and try. And obviously, I was captain at Hayes. And I thought if I perform well and set an example, hopefully the other lads will sort of follow suit. But, you know, unfortunately we got relegated that season. I know that Hayes after that got promoted back up straight away, I think, mm. which is good, you know. So, yeah, I think you just got sometimes during them games like that, you got to maybe just concentrate on your own performance and make sure that you're doing, doing your bit there. Um, you know, whereas for Swindon, you can do that anyway, do you know what I mean? Because the lads are good enough to sort of, play well themselves and we'll all we'll all do well together. There's a saying that you do do your job and half of someone else's. That's mm-hmm. I remember I remember uh, Marcus Stewart at Bristol Rovers telling me that. But make sure you're doing your job and you do half of someone else's as well. And then there'll be no there'll be no mistakes then, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That brings us to the professional side. So I mean Dan asks, and I think you've already answered it, to what extent was the chance of becoming a pro footballer a factor in leaving the forces? And then Alex Hill comes in is, did you ever think that being a footballer was a possibility after leaving the armed forces? But it was the reason that you left the army, wasn't it? It was, yeah. So obviously I was I was getting to a point in my army career where I was getting fed up with it anyway. I think that was due to football because... I was playing well for Hayes and Yedin. I had teams like, I think I had Maidstone interested or something like that. 
and then it would go quiet because I'd go away to the Ascension Islands. Like Ascension Islands was very frequent at the time. You know, you'd be for a month or two months and then come back for like a month and then go again. And I could never really get like, you know, consistency going with football. And it sort of frustrated me. I was getting annoyed with the army because they'd be sending me away all the time. And all I wanted to do was try and progress in football. And I ended up just going, right, I'm going to, I'm going to sign off here, sign off the army and just try and concentrate on football. And then because I signed off, they sort of they sort of put you to one side. You go and do all like your resettlement and things like that. So they, they sort of leave you alone, basically. Like obviously a month or so will go by and you'll still be doing normal work. And then after that, you sort of, you can sort of cut your own, cut your own detail really and just go and do what you want. So obviously I was, I was friends with a few of the, the higher ranks like sergeants and things like that and be like look I'm going to I'm going to go to the gym or I've got this game like so I'd have a Tuesday night game and it was I was playing in playing in London weren't I so I'd have to leave work at like two o'clock to avoid all the rush hour traffic and things like that so they they, you know I got looked after by a few of the higher ranks but they they liked you because you you know you were good at football (laughs) do you know what I mean it tends to be a thing doesn't it if you're good at something people like you um, but yeah, I, I decided I was like, right, I'm going to leave. Um, it was a gamble because I used a lot of my like allocated resettlement days, which you get like 20 days to go and do like courses or things like that, just to set you up for your, your job for when you leave. And I used up all of my days for a trial with Bristol Rovers, which I ended up getting through the UK armed forces manager. Cause he knew, he knew like an agent that was involved with Bristol Rovers. And that's Danny uh, Coles, isn't it? Yeah. It's Danny Coles. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I ended up using up all the day. I, I put in all the leave days for that. I used up all my leave to, to go on this trial. Um, and if it didn't work out, I'd, <laughs> I'd have been buggered because I'd have, I'd have had to probably just stay in the army because I wouldn't have done anything, any transition courses to, to sort myself out for after, after um, like leaving the army to go and do a different job, I sort of thought to myself, oh, I might do PT or something like that, but it's not really a, a passion of mine. It's, it, it would never really work out, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, I think the gamble paid off. I mean, if it didn't, I'd probably still be in the army now. Yeah, that, that, that sort of covers the second part of the question that I got from Alex, where it's like, if you didn't make it as a footballer, what other career job do you think you would have had and it would have simply been to have stayed in the army? Yeah, I think it would have been. I mean, I like the fact of being a civilian and doing a normal job because I could go and live at home and be a bit, a little bit of a normal life. But I think I'd have ended up just probably not enjoying what I was doing and end up thinking, like, the grass isn't very greener and ended up probably just going back into the army. But to be fair, when I left, even when I signed for Rovers, like, higher ranks in my battery sergeant major and, like, the battery commander all said, you know, if things don't work out, there's always, you know, just ring us, this, we'll, you know, we'll get you back in and you can literally pick up where you left off. Um, so there was always that sort of, cushion that I thought right I can just give it everything here and if it don't work out it don't work out at least I've tried yeah how much of you of you now is still Lance Bobadier Broadbent I think there's just some sort obviously they say once a soldier always a soldier I do believe that but there's like little 
like little sayings and that that I, I feel people say saying like I went to a shop the other week and got got a new bike and the guy who served me just said something and I instantly thought you're ex-army like do you know what I mean where you just sort of realise I think you keep the sort of core values like the discipline and things like that you sort of remember situations that you've gone through and I think just the the respect that you have for like the respect that I've got for the gaffer is maybe different to what someone else has got whereas I look at him like a a boss as well whereas if he says he'll say something to me and I'll just sort of go okay like sort of accept I might argue a little bit but I'll, I'll sort of come to terms with it accept it and get on with it yeah. um where say say he drops me or something like that i'll be like okay like and just get on with it whereas someone else might kick up a fuss and make it it, it might not really work in my favor because if i kicked up a fuss and made it a bit more difficult for him to drop me then i might be playing more or something like that john i don't know but just where when your boss says something that's it do you know what i mean and, and that's how what I've been used to in the army, you just get on with it. If they say do something, you do it. I probably still do. I'm sort of relaxing a little bit on it now, but it takes a lot, a long time to transition. A lot of people, that's why a lot of people struggle when they leave the army. They can't transition to normal life. So, yeah, I think a lot of things stick with you. I still speak to a lot of my mates. You know, I'll always speak to them, friends that I made through the army. So, yeah, um, that's sort of the only thing I really miss, like a few of the boys and that. But I'm... No, my life's definitely better now. And I imagine that the routine or the transition from the routine of being in the army to the pro football game, which not many people can say they have that transition, you know, especially in modern times. Um, There must have been some real advantages, like you said, that that respect or uh, certainly out of respect for authority. Yeah, I found the transition quite easy because you're sort of going from almost like one team to another. You know, obviously, I was playing football in the army and things like that. It's like just going straight into another another team. But you know, you go in there with a lot of respect for the the players. I remember being on trial, and I sort of thought to myself, "I'm on trial here. I need to stand out." And I thought one of the ways that I'll stand out is just by being one of the fittest there. And that was that was sort of my mentality. And I thought, "I'm I'm a soldier here. I'm fitter than you." And I just made sure that I was sort of. I wouldn't. I was because I, I generally probably wasn't the fittest. Do you know what I mean? But I made like my mentality and my determination just sort of kept me right, like at, at the front of the, of the pack um, in sort of the running and things like that. And I think that just sets you in good stead with with the gaffer because he he'll see you at the front. Do you know what I mean? So, and then obviously the the football bit. I remember I remember doing a like a keep ball session, and obviously the pace that, like the, the lads were knocking the ball about was completely different to something that I was used to before. You know, it was all one, two touch, like movement, and I was awful in my first in my first little keep ball session. I remember the gaffer going in, and I was thinking, you know, because you overthink things when you're on trial, and you think, oh, that one pass where I got tackled, and that you know where I lost the ball, and you just overthink. And he put his arm around me. He goes, "It's all right, son. That's not for you, that bit, is it?" <laughs> just laughed. <laughs> After that pace, and you know, like a couple more days in, I was I was fine. I was up to up to speed with it, and it was good. Yeah, it's Bristol Rovers who give you your opportunity in the Football League, which is what yeah. four, five divisions higher than you're used to playing. I mean, you look after yourself. You, you've talked about how you look after yourself, and of course, the, the, the those drills early on were a struggle. Is there a difference between you know being you know 
PT levels of, of healthy and professional football levels of healthy? Or is it pretty much the same? No, I think I think there is a difference. Um, once once the ball comes out, obviously it's a lot different. It's a lot m- more different type of fitness where it's all short, sharp, you know, turn of pace. Like there's a ball involved, and yeah, that's a lot different. But when you're doing like pre-season and you're doing the runs, you know, where they're like shuttles or it'll be like a one k test or something like that. If you're quite a fit lad anyway, then then you're sort of you'll be all right. But it's only when the ball comes out that that you end up noticing, wow, I'm actually not match fit at the moment. Which is, I think that's why I had such a good first season. Because because I was on trial, I was pl- being played in like every game. Um, I think that pre-season, I played about nine pre-season games or something like that. Which is, you know, I mean, this season I played, I think, two. And I don't think I really felt ready for the season. I think I need a good five, six seven, eight games to sort of get going, um, which I, I hope in in this pre-season coming up, I hope we get a few more games because I, I feel a lot more ready for the season. So, yeah, I think just pre-seasons are important to get the games in because the, fit, the fitness is totally different. When you arrived at Bristol Rovers, you're like early, mid-20s. So you're not like a 17-year-old who's just been plucked from Yake Town or whatever. You are, you're an adult, strong-minded. How did your teammates at Bristol Rovers find you and how, how did they give you respect? I think it's always difficult, no matter how old you are, going, going on trial to a club because the players, you know, it's football with players look at you and especially if you're in their position they think he's in my position he better not get a contract because then I might not play so there's always that wariness of a of a player thinking I don't want you here I'm not going to make you welcome but I think because of my sort of career path and where I come from the lads were quite interested and they you know they were they were really accepting of me you know they kind of respected what I did you know there, obviously there was a couple that wouldn't really speak to you uh, you know a, cu- a couple of the the lads just sort of weren't interested, just like that, whatever, mate. Um, which is just normal. I think it's normal with, with any club that you're going to go to. You'll have lads that are really welcoming and lads that aren't so welcoming and lads that are sort of try and make it uncomfortable for you to be there so that you don't want, so that you don't even want to be there. Um, but I didn't really have much of that, maybe one or two. Uh, I won't I won't name names, but people that I actually get on really well with now since I actually signed. But yeah, you kind of just have to have that mentality where you're like, I don't care what you think, I'm doing this for me. This team, I expected more of for whatever reason. I, I expected, you know, they signed, you know, you had people like Liam Sercom, Billy Bowden, of course, ex-Swindon. Why did Bristol Rovers struggle to find form under Daryl Clark in, in, in your first year? Mate, I, I'm not sure, you know. When I joined, I didn't really know many of the players anyway, like... You know, I never really followed sort of League One or anything. I just sort of followed the Premiership. So I didn't really know what they were like individually. But when I sort of done a bit of research, I was like, wow, he's played, you know, 400 games and things like that. And you sort of notice how big it is anyway. Mm. I don't really know. I can't, I can't really put my finger on why we didn't, why we didn't do so, so well after. It, it was just one of the things where it wasn't just, things just weren't really happening for us. And I think that's, it's almost like Daryl coming and, and it's sort of like, I think there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes um, with the board and things like that, which sort of affected things, sort of 
within within the group and the manager and things like that. My question here, throughout your season and three quarters at Bristol Rovers, what, what were the standout moments for you? Obviously, my league debut at Charlton away. Just like, that's the first time I walked in. Obviously, just walking out of the tunnel at the valley and then just sort of looking round and I just sort of thought, wow, this is this is mad. Like, obviously, it was a sunny day. Pitch is like lovely. You know, it's a decent stadium. And then walking into the dressing room and seeing my shirt up there with my name on the back, which was like the first time I'd seen it, thinking, bloody hell, like this is wicked. And then the manager named the team and I was starting. I was seeing the first game of the season. I'm starting. I had some of my friends there in the crowd, some of my family. It was just a proud day. And unfortunately, we lost 1 0, but the the Colt, it it didn't even cross the line, which is a bit frustrating. (laughs) So it should have been 0 0. Um, so there's that. Also, I remember I liked the the Pompey game at home. We played Pompey in my, I think it was, yeah, it was in my first season, the January, um, sort of just after Christmas, sort of between Christmas and New Year, I think it was. And a lot of my mates are from like support Portsmouth, so they were all watching. And I started that game. And I had a really good game. And Bradford after that, I think we were on a on a decent run. Um, we beat Bradford. 3-1 at the Mem. I remember when the third goal went in and like just running to celebrate and the fans were going that that mad like it was that loud like you could you run in you could feel it like bouncing do you know what I mean it was mad um, so yeah it was just they're sort of like my, some of my favourite favourite memories there um, I just really I did really enjoy my time at Bristol Rovers you know I thought the fans were great it was a great bunch of lads yeah so it's, it's a good club obviously Daryl Clark is the manager that signs you, then Graham Coughlin, ex-Swindon loan player, takes over. Season two starts okay for you, and then it sort of fades into cup games and things like that. What what happened for you at the tail end of your of your Bristol Rovers career? Well, it's kind of um, you know when when Cogs come in. To be fair, I think I'd played. He'd only been in charge for a few games before I left. Um, you know when Daryl left. I wasn't actually in the squad, mm. which was which is I found like quite strange because every time I played for them, I played well, and it was like he kind of sort of said, "Oh, I'm just managing you right, you know. I don't want to play too many and things like that." He said, "You'll get opportunities, you know, all the all the things that you like to hear." Um, and then there'd be games where sort of go there probably expecting to play a game or be involved, and then I wouldn't even be in the squad. But then when Cogs took over, I went straight back into the squad. Um, you know, and I knew that he he liked me actually. Like as a player, I always spoke to him because he was the defensive coach there before, and I'd sort of air sort of aired my frustration at him sometimes when I wasn't involved. And he was like, "Look, you know, you're a good player. You're going to get opportunities. You know, I don't pick the team. Like basically, like I don't pick the pick the team, but I'd pick you." <laughs> you know what I mean, and then he'd come in, and I was thinking, "God, here we go. Then I'm going to get picked." But then I didn't. Um, but he he sort of put me back in the squad, and then sort of. You, you know, it's hard to change the team straight away, especially because when he come in, they, they were winning games. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I couldn't really change it. And I was just thinking, I'll wait for an opportunity. And then I played against Northampton, um, played really well. I scored. We won 2-1. Um, that was in the cup. And I was thinking, here we go. I'm going to hopefully get a run of games here now. And I, and I don't know if... I think I was on the bench again the next game or, or if that was actually my last... I know that was my last game. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he'd like to name the team or whatever before. And I was thinking, 
I'm going to get more opportunities now. And then obviously Swindon come in. There's a couple of other teams that come in as well. Um, and Swindon sort of appealed to me the most. You know, it was only up the road. Spoke to the gaffer, you know, got on well. And it just seemed like a, a, no, a no-brainer, really. Um, so I sort of said to Cogs, I was like, look, he, well, he he rung me up actually. He said Swindon are interested in you. You know, you you can talk to them if you want. And I was like, okay. Spoke to them and then went back. He's like, what 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 do you want to do? And I spoke to him and I said, look, well, obviously, I want to I want to play more football. I just want to be playing football. I don't, I don't if it's a Swindon or if it's here. I just I just want you to be honest. I want to play. And he was like, well, I can't promise you first team football because you're going to get opportunities. You know, everything that a manager says that a player kind of wants. You 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 got to just sort of think. On, on the spur of the moment I think is this the best decision and, and I just sort of thought you know Richie's saying I'm going to play so I'm I'm going to go and he said alright then go see you later and it was just weird because it, I sort of sat there in his office and said okay then see you later and <laughs> what do I do now do I, do I walk out it was just weird I'd never been in that position before so it was just before training as well so I was there ready to train and it was just before training and he was like see you later then I went into the changing room and the boys were like, all right. I was like, see you later, boys. <laughs> it was just weird. It was quite a weird moment. And then I got in the car and went home and, and then obviously spoke to Swindon and said, yeah, I'm going to come up and, and, and sign. And I went up that same same evening and done it all. So, yeah. And, you know, it's a, I feel like it's a really good decision now. You know, we're promoted back in League One. Granted, I haven't played as, quite as much as I'd like to, but... I'm involved in a promotion-winning team. We're in a good position. Um, going up, the club's got a great fan base, great set of lads. You know, so I can't complain. I'm, I'm, I feel, feel like I've made the right decision. Richie again. It's nicely worked. And it's chipped in. I mean, you are regular for the for the remainder of last season, and it is a time where I mean, Swindon going through the motions a, a, a little bit because Wellens is trying to get to stamp his mark on the squad, and there are players in there that you know Richie Wellens isn't so keen on. It was just about getting the season done, to be honest. I think from from his side of things, but you were seen as an early piece to his puzzle. Um, plenty of standout games in in that first season. The MK Dons one away, the the, the Berry game away. So you were regular t- till the end of the season. So did you get injured during during the summer? Towards the end of that season, my missus was ill. So she she actually like had a like a stroke. Like, but it was it was weird. It was like she was having headaches and things like that. And she went to the hospital, mm. and then you've actually had a stroke like about a year ago. But we feel like it's going to happen again. So obviously, I went into the gaffer and I was like, "Look, this was, I think, before Stevenage or or just before Carlisle away. I think it was." And I told him, "I was like, my missus is ill. Like, I just want you to know, in case I have to, you know, shoot off or things." And he's like, "Yeah, that's fine." And then obviously Stevenage game come and we lost, I think we lost like 2-1 or something away. And it was a bad game, like we were awful. And the next game come and he said, look, I'm going to just leave you out. Um, you know, you've got a lot going on at the moment. I ended up missing like four or five games and it weren't, it weren't like 
I felt all right, you know, in your head you think I'm fine, but maybe he saw something different. Um, so you know, I didn't, I didn't mind too much. Mm. And then obviously, season comes, um, you know, signs signs some new players in the summer. We spoke to him at the end of end of that first season. He said, look, obviously end of the season you didn't play the last couple of games. And things I played the last game, and he said, you know, you ain't been sort of quite the same since you. Uh, as you were when you first come in, you know, go away, have a good summer, come back, you know, ready to go. And I was like, yeah, sweet, come back. And he signed, obviously, we'd signed loads of players, didn't we? You know, and he'd signed uh, Frenchie. Um, obviously, Dion had stayed. There was just all uh, Zeki and everything. We had a great, a great side. So I didn't feel, I didn't, you know, I was, I was ready for competition. Um, but I sort of thought, yeah, I fancy myself going to play here. Um, and then the first game of the season come, I wasn't even in the squad, and I was kind of like, "What's going on here?" Then, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't play as much as I wanted to pre-season either. I did have an injury in in pre-season, but it was only a minor injury. It was like a groin, sort of a groin strain, and it kept me out probably for about two, two or three of the pre-season games. Um, and I just thought, I saw, I just, you know, recover from this and have a couple more games pre-season and be ready for the start of season. I, I didn't not expect to be out of the whole squad, do you know what I mean? Hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, it is what it is and I just, you know, that's where my sort of soldier mentality, I suppose, where I just think, right, get my head down and work hard. Um, and then, obviously, it, just sort of, it was a bit of a, it was just a bit of a sticky sort of month or two months after that. Um, you know, I wouldn't play and then I'd get thrown in and then, you know, results wouldn't go our way or he wouldn't be happy with things, that, how it was going. And I I suppose I just started losing my confidence because I just felt like I was losing his trust and he'd be moaning at me during that game and things like that. And I was just like, what's going on? Because I'd never experienced anything like this as a pro footballer. It, everything had been sort of all like sunshine and happy, do you know what I mean? And I'd be playing well and I wouldn't think, oh, lack of confidence and it was just saying I wasn't used to um, you know and there was me and the gaffer had a couple of arguments and nothing major but you know we argue at half time and things like that it happens in every dressing room mm. and then you know I'd find myself not in the squad for, for a period of time and not really speaking much to the gaffer and things like that and it was all a bit weird and then I just sort of got my head down and thought, right, I need to get out of this sort of hole I'm in. Um, you know, there was probably opportunities to leave, but I didn't. Um, and I thought, right, I'm going to get my head down, work hard. And that's all I, because that's, that's all I know. And, and then everything started to pick up, start getting, you know, getting on well with it, with the gaffer and that properly again, playing more games, playing better. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I'd come on and, and sort of secure some games for us. And I, I think I sort of gained his trust back, you know, so, you know, things can't really be any better now. So, it, and it happens. I, I mean, the same thing happens with a few of the other players um, where they'd be out the, out the squad and, and not really know why. And and not, it, it just happens at, at every level, at every club. So, and I'm just sort of, I'm, I'm quite happy that I've sort of learned I said to my agent, I was like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I just don't feel, 
I don't know what's going on. And he was just like, this, it's good that this has happened at your stage now. Like it's like your, you know, second, third season. And, you know, you, you sort of finally hitting that sort of bad run of form or lack of confidence, which every player hits. It's better for it to happen now. Um, and I feel, I feel like I've learned that that is part of the game and I, I know how to deal with it now. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that, I think that's the main thing that I'll take away from this season is sort of that experience. That was really interesting listening and it, there's a lot to unpack from that. I mean, the early stuff there about, you know, the ill health of your partner. I mean, around that time from a fan side, there were a lot of rumours about yourself at that stage. Um, I think the thing that I'd read the most was mental health, but it was purely down to the well-being of, of, of your partner, of course. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it wasn't it wasn't that bad, but I don't know whether like you just don't know how much that sort of affects you. Yeah. I thought fine, you know. I thought I was still playing all right. To be fair, like Carlisle, sort of Stevenage, you know, everyone has like if the whole team has a bad game, you know, you can't help it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but then he left me out of the squad. I remember it, it was Port Vale, and then we drew nil nil. And I thought, oh, we should have beat Port Vale. I'll be back in next game. And then I just wasn't. Do you know what I mean? And then I wasn't in next one or the next one and I was thinking what's going on here like I'm fine now gaffer but you know you just I just got the mentality where you don't really argue it you just get on with it one thing that you highlighted there as well that you know a few players have had you know words with Richie Wellens and I guess it's testament to Richie Wellens that you can fall out of favour with him you can be transfer listed but it doesn't mean your career's over you can be brought back into the equation if if you know you work hard get your head down and prove yourself yeah that's what I mean but I think that's just just the cap not just with Richie Wellens I think that's the case with any manager I think I, I know that do you I think know, that's the it. case for every manager? I, I think we've had managers in the past that if you if you fall out of favour, there's no turning back. Oh yeah, yeah. I think the case with yeah with 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 Gaffer we've got now, whereas you can fall out, you can have a fallout, and then you know it might be a bit sour for a couple of weeks or whatever, or and, until you until you play and do well, and then you know he's, he's buzzing with you again. Do you know what I mean? It's it's just how it how it goes. I yeah. mean, I think testament to how he. I think he's he's also come like a long way with with his management career now as to what it was last season with regards to management of players. I just feel like he's just so much better as to to what he was the season before from what I watched. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've no doubt that especially the way that he he gets us playing and his tactics and how he knows the game. What a great player he was that. I've no doubt they'll go on and, and manage a lot higher than than League One. I could I could see him managing right at the top, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, your season, as you said, there was limited nine appearances in the league, but as far as I'm concerned, that's a medal, um, especially given that you know, especially nearer to the to the tail end of the season, you were getting very good reviews from the fans. I remember the Crew game that you came out very well. It's not it's not been you know, about minutes though, it's it's about the squad and something that really strikes me about this season's squad is yes, they all get along in the changing room, but they seem so balanced and level-headed. You don't hear of any like, oh, I saw this player out all night last night. That that, that hasn't happened. No, that's what I mean. I, like when you say nine games, it's, it was, I was a bit gutted because it, it would have been, it would have been a lot more, you know, mm. Gabby, Gabby come in and then Obviously, I was I was going through 
an injury at the time. I had a, I had a calf. I pulled my calf, a grade one tear, tearing my calf. And that was keeping me out. So Gabby come in and then he'd done all right. And then there was games where I think I would I would have played against Plymouth and a, a couple more games around that time where the gaffer was like, oh, come on, like, can we can we get you fit? And I just wasn't ready. And then I had a, a sickness bug, like a virus where I was being sick. And I just, I was just like, oh, how's, how's my luck? Like there's games where, you know, I probably could have had 14, 15 games at least. Um, and But then it's just a little bit frustrating where there's circumstances that you can't, you can't control. Mm. But um, like what you say, the, the the squad that we've got and the the depth in the squad. I mean, you look. I played nine league games. You look at Dion. Dion been injured half the season. I think he played eleven or something. Frenchy played what twenty twenty five or something like that. Um, which that isn't all the games. Do you know what I mean? And they're they're three centre halves there. So, and then there's Zeki. I think Zeki something like twenty two or twenty five. So, and I think how many games do we have? Thirty. Like Six, wasn't it? That's what I mean. So they're missing good 10, 11, 12 games. So and you're looking looking at how that that just testament to our squad that who can who can step in at any position. Like Granty's played centre half. Um I think Cad's even played like right side of centre half one game. Yeah. Zeki's played centre half for a, a lot of games this season. So it's just it just shows how how good like a squad that the gaffer put together and the fact that not everyone sort of played every. I think Hunty. I think Hunty's played the most games out of everyone this season. Um, but and it like like you're saying, just the, how the mentality of the squad. Where I think I got asked the question the other day, like who was my best mate in the team, and I just said, well, I don't really have one because the team's such a like a close group anyway. And I think that's I think that's just why we ended up doing so well because you've not got any sort of individual clicks. So the whole team just get on really well as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, um, let's let's begin to wrap up here um, with some questions from listeners. So Dean Hazel asks, "What's the worst thing about being a pro footballer?" Worst thing? Never really thought of the worst. I'd, uh... You're not allowed to say nothing. Okay, I, if I could try and think of something, I would say not that I think it's even that bad, but just the fact that Christmas isn't isn't as great as a footballer's. You're not like with the, you know. There's times where Christmas Day you might be away, mm. like because you've got a game on Boxing Day, and you might be away from your family, and that's sort of that I can really think of that's that's sort of bad about being a pro footballer. Let's go with that. That's fine. Philip Holloway asks, who is bigger in your opinion, Swindon Town or Bristol Rovers? <laughs> God, I don't want to upset anyone here. They're both both big clubs. Uh, I don't know. They're both they're both big big clubs, really, aren't they? I think. The stadium-wise, Swindon's better stadium as well. But equally, I loved I love both both set of fans. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Both got great support. I'm going to sit on the fence. Sit on that fence, get splinters. Nothing wrong with that. Going to Bristol a lot still, so I don't want to get eggs thrown at me or something. Do you <laughs> know <what I> mean? <laughs> Tyler asks, who would win in a scrap? Five Scott Twine-sized Tom Broadbents or two Tom Broadbent-sized Scott Twines? Twiny soft, so it'll be <laughs> it'll be it'll be the five Tom Broadbents, isn't it? The five small Tom Broadbents, okay. It's two Tom Broadbent size Scott Twines. So it's... so so it's two big Scott Twines against two against five little Tom Broadbents, basically. Ah, yeah. oh, the 
the, the little broadbents will win that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Martin Peters asks, who would win in an arm wrestling competition out of the 2019-20 squad and who is least likely to win? There's some strong boys in the squad, you know. Um, I'll tell you who's actually very strong. Um, Kane Woolery is strong boy, him. Um, so I think he'd be up there. And the loser, <laughs> who'd lose? Pro- probably Scott Twine. Poor old Scott Twine. <laughs> Poor old Scott Twine. He's getting an absolute beating in this. The smaller sort of <laughs> weak trying to think. He probably is the smallest guy, isn't he? Yeah, I would say yeah. so. Yeah, right. Get him in the gym, wouldn't we? <laughs> Next question, what's your favourite cheese? Favourite cheese? I like that, the, the soft spread, seriously strong. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's in like little red, that's nice. I like putting that on a, on a little cracker. Nice. Um, what was your personal highlight from the last season? I think, for me personally, the... The, the games that I've played in, Northampton, Northampton, yeah, um, Northampton, where we were all over them all game, but just couldn't score. And then, sort of towards the end of the game, Jordan pops up with a header, and it was just like the sort of relief, thinking, "Yes, we finally sort of broke the deadlock." And it was just like the fans at in the away end were going mad, and it was just like just a great moment. Yeah, and you, you had this a couple of times during the season where you were called upon perhaps earlier than you would expect as a substitute. So I'm, I'm thinking the Bradford City home game and the yeah. uh, Northampton game where you have to come on in the first half, which, you know, is never easy. I don't care what anyone says. And, you know, you adapted really well to those those scenarios. Yeah, I think even more so as a, as a centre-back coming on as a sub is it's harder than coming on as like a striker because you know you can sort of ease your way into a game a bit more as a striker you you make a mistake or lose the ball or whatever it it goes sort of unpunished but as a centre-back you make a mistake (laughs) (laughs) yeah well yeah exactly Uh, the downfall of a centre-back one error and goalkeepers as well if you make a mistake that's it that's it the end um Final question then. So, what's the hope for yourself for the next season? So, obviously, you're contracted. I imagine it's nothing more beyond more games, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, obviously, we've got such a strong squad. So, more games definitely would be be uh, an aim of mine. Um, but I just think having a have a good preseason where I can get as many games as I can. You know, I've got. The thing, the thing where I've got, I've actually got an operation coming up in uh, on the twenty fifth because I've got this thing called um, Morton's neuroma. I don't know if you heard of that. It's like a thing on on the. It's like something that pre- when I plant my foot, it's like a ball of tissue on the bo- bottom of my foot that presses against the nerve and it just shoots a pain up my foot. Mm-hmm. And I've been dealing with that for like the last six, seven, eight months, and just being able to sort of run and play properly, like pain free. Yeah. Would, would be really nice. So I'm looking forward to getting that done, getting a good pre-season in me, getting a nice sort of amount of pre-season games, hopefully about five or six games, and just being really, really fit, ready for the season. And back in League One with a with a great team, hopefully fans are allowed to games by that point. Um, and just getting, just sort of enjoying, enjoying the, enjoy, enjoying the football again, um, playing at a, high level 
you know, just yeah, just getting more games. That's it, really. And and back in League One, where it's it's a better standard in League One. I, I actually find it easier in League One. I know it sounds strange, but I found it a lot easier in League One for Bristol Rovers than I did going into League Two with Swindon. Mm. What do you think that but, the reason for that is? Is it just more of a scrap, really, in League Two, or is yeah, it just not as pretty? Yeah, it's not as pretty. It's more of a scrap, more long balls, like more running running back to your towards your own goal and not as much time on the ball because strikers just don't show you the respect. Um, do you know what I mean? In League One, it's more it's more football-based where I think we'll, we'll flourish a lot in League One because that is what we're about. Mm. So that's why I think going into League One, I think we're, we've got more to give. Do you know what I mean? That we're going to do... We can keep the same squad together. We're gonna we're gonna do really well in that league as well. Yeah. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. You are a champion. Nine games, twenty six games. It doesn't matter. Um, I hope you get that medal and you put it pride of place. Tom, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, mate. The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.